Good morning, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnTaylor.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Handful of things we're going to get into today, including a couple of the big PBS points that I bring up, talking about managers of Major League Baseball and their lack of role or impact when it comes to a Major League game. And also we got the Baseball Hall of Fame, which we always talk about how it's the biggest joke in the entirety of all professional sports. But we're going to start by talking a little NFL, but to get into the little NFL, we got to talk about something that has been dying over the last series of years. And you think of reporting as it's gone from newspapers to the internet. You want to find some information. The best way to find that information today is what? To look it up, to go to your favorite website. That's how you get your information today. Very few people are looking at their papers on a day in and day out basis, going to the paper box, pulling it out, and reading their headlines and being having that be the first place where they get their information today. So you know major papers in major cities are struggling. And it's certainly prevalent when you talk about the New York Post and also the New York Daily News, two major papers that have exi existed in the city of New York for many, many years. And they got a tradition. They've made billions and billions of dollars. And you know that they're struggling to do the same business that they were doing years ago. They're not selling anywhere near as many papers. They're having a hard time converting to the digital age where they're setting things up online to be clicked. And I do believe that there is a narrative that's, or there is an, a directive that's coming from the powers to be that are telling their writers, listen, you have to put out stuff that's a little more controversial. You have to sometimes go out of your way to make a story out of nothing. And I got to start at all things I could start out by talking about. You got baseball, free agency, uh, winter meetings will be next week. I'll be down in San Diego. Probably the next show, the next PBS I do will be from San Diego, California, as that'll be the sixth year in a row I've gone to the baseball winter meetings. So, so much to talk about there. But the thing that I want to talk about is a story that was put out there that didn't make any freaking sense, written by a writer that was looking for clickbait. And you know what? I'm going to admit that I took the bait here. Now, it could have been written in a way to thank said player, and we're talking about Zach Diasi, long-time long snapper for the New York football giants, two-time Super Bowl champion, a guy that his career has come to an end, second-generation long snapper. His father, Steve, was a, a, a good, impactful player for the Giants for a long time. And the story could have basically said, hey, his, his career with the Giants essentially is over. He's placed on injured reserve, but got a New York Daily News writer that's just looking for that clickbait, trying to make a story out of something that unfortunately isn't a story. But most importantly, it's doing what he's what he did kind of went at 
what could have been a good or a positive goodbye to Zach Diossi. Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News decides to make it about what the Giants' decision to cut him on Thanksgiving Day, which, by the way, they didn't. They placed him on injured reserve. And you know why they placed him on injured reserve? I, I hate to really put this all together for you, Pat, because he was injured. So injured players go on injured reserve. This point of the season, we know that they, you can't designate somebody to return. You know, there's a minimum of, what, seven, eight weeks that somebody has to miss. So Zach Diossi is out for the season. He's not under contract for the Giants after this season. So his career with the Giants is likely over. So instead of making it about, hey, everything that Zach Diossi did, you know, winning two Super Bowls, being one of the longest tenure Giants not named Eli Manning in recent memory, he makes it about the Giants, the, the horrible, horrible decision that they could make to put him on injured reserve on Thanksgiving. Basically ruining his life, ending his football career on Thanksgiving. And if you're stupid enough to click on that bait, you're, you're going to be as annoyed as I am talking about the same thing. So the other thing that goes out there, and, and we know what it would exist in the world of fans and sports talk, you start to really, really want to see coaches lose their job. Baseball managers, coaches in the National Football League, and once we start to see the blood, you can hear the venom in tweets. We can hear the venom in different uh, sports talk personalities saying this guy has got to go. Every single thing that the coach that's on a hot seat does is going to be more and more scrutinized. And I'm going to be here to tell you something you probably already should know. Jason Garrett is going to be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys for the rest of the season. You know why? Because, number one, the owner said that. And number two, it is unprecedented for a team that's making a run at the postseason, which they're still clearly in it. Even if the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Miami Dolphins, which they're expected to do this Sunday, the two teams will be tied for the NFC East. One of those teams is going to go to the playoffs because the Giants ain't getting there. The Redskins ain't getting there. The Cowboys have played good football at times this year. Plus, the last couple weeks haven't looked good. Bad loss to the Buffalo Bills on Thanksgiving. I get it. Is Jerry Jones's patience running thin with Jason Garrett? Probably. The guy's been the head football coach for the Dallas Cowboys for the last 10 years. At some point, he's... Is, career or his time there is going to come to an end. It will probably be once the season ends. But man, if you look at the venom that exists amongst fans, sure, Dallas Cowboy fans haven't seen a Super Bowl since the mid-90s. I get it. They've only won a couple playoff games in the last 10 years. I understand your frustration. And you probably get your wish. The Dallas Cowboys will probably have somebody else other than Jason Garrett coaching their team next season. And that's fine. Like I said, shelf life of a coach in the National Football League the same way it applies to Major League Baseball, the same way it applies to basketball and to hockey. You know, it's not very long. Most coaches will end up losing their job as opposed to going out on their own terms. 
And the same is very likely to happen with Jason Garrett in Dallas with the Cowboys. But what we can't get away from, and I don't understand it, I really don't, is the venom that exists amongst fans and just wanting to see it now. Why would it make sense for the Dallas Cowboys to move on from Jason Garrett right now? Are you getting that legitimate next-generation coach right now? Probably not. You're probably going to have an interim type. Think of like you know Bill Callahan replacing Jay Gruden with the Washington Redskins. You're going to have somebody that's going to just kind of keep the seat warm for whoever their next coach is going to be next season. Is that going to give the team a jolt? No, probably not. I'm sure a lot of players on the Dallas Cowboys, just like any other players that are on a team of a coach that's been there for almost a decade, I'm sure there's a lot of respect for Jason Garrett. Players need to feel some sort of accountability for what's going on there. Jason Garrett, hey, may not be long for the National Football League as a head coach. He may not get another job once he's done with Dallas. But the problem is, is you've got a competing team here. And the difference between just letting a coach go because things aren't going well and letting a coach go while you're in the midst of what you'd call, if it was baseball, be a pennant race, Football, you're you're in a race to win a division. The Dallas Cowboys still right now, even with an Eagles win against Miami, which you expect them to win this coming Sunday, there's at least a 50-50 chance that they're going to win this division, probably even higher. So why are you going to fire the coach, which, you know what? Fans and people in the media believe that it probably should happen. But it's just not going to happen now. So every time he got, oh, my God, Jason Garrett's getting fired. He's not getting fired for the loss on Thanksgiving to the Buffalo Bills. If the Cowboys lose next week, I hate to say it, even if they fall game behind the Philadelphia Eagles for the NFC East division lead, Jason Garrett's not going anywhere until the end of the season. Now, you can hear in Jerry Jones as you know, one of the only owners in sports that does his own talk show every week, you know, as, as if you know he can't hear enough of Jerry Jones, you can tell his patience is running thin. And if the point that you're trying to make is that Jason Garrett's not going to be here with the Dallas Cowboys as their head coach next year, then you're probably right. But it's not going to happen in season. And I'll keep saying it because apparently there's people I just don't understand. And you talk about people not understanding the role of the Major League Baseball manager as it exists now as opposed to 20 years ago. Maybe people don't understand that the Cowboys are going to hold on to Jason Garrett as their head coach for the rest of the year because they expect to make the playoffs. Now, if they don't make the playoffs, then he's gone. If they don't advance anywhere in the playoffs, then he's gone. You can make the case that anything less than a Super Bowl championship, Jason Garrett will be gone next year and not the coach of the Dallas Cowboys anymore. I don't agree with that. I've heard other people say that, hey, yeah, that's what Jerry Jones said. It, imagine the Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl. First, the last going to have to go right. There's some good teams in the NFC. I don't know if Dallas player-to-player -player is as good as Green Bay. I don't know if Dallas player-to-player -player is as good as San Francisco or Seattle or New Orleans. Now, I think they could beat those teams in a game, maybe even on the road. But when I think hands down who's the best teams in the NFC, I don't have the Dallas Cowboys really in my top three. So the chances of the Dallas Cowboys going out there and 
getting to a Super Bowl are not very good. So if for some reason they did, if they beat New Orleans and beat Seattle or San Francisco on their way to the Super Bowl and lost, let's say, to New England, let's say to Baltimore, Jason Garrett's coming back next year. Because there's a lot of positive that has to happen in a big star state of Texas for this to happen. Cowboys are going to be a Cinderella story if they're going to get to the Super Bowl this year. And it's not because they're not talented. It's not because they're this little engine that could with no talented players. It's not the 1914 Boston Braves of the National Football League. It's not, you know, Stephen F. Austin getting to, you know, the Elite Eight or the Final Four. It's a good football team, but it's flawed. There's things that aren't going right. Some of it is coaching. And you can say, hey, there's better coaches in the NFC. That's why Sean Payton and the Saints are doing what they're doing. That's why Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers are 10-1. And, and Seattle is 9-2 and two with... You know, their coach, coaching does matter in the National Football League. But if the Dallas Cowboys make it to the Super Bowl, Jason Garrett is coming back next year. This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and the solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of Passball Show, JohnPLA.com, and JohnPLA LLC is prohibited. Any commercial other use of programs, such as by charge and admission, board showing, is similarly prohibited. So I was thinking about, once again, the Baseball Hall of Fame. And you know, all you got to do is sometimes a little looking at a picture. You know, in 1936, the first class ever of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And you know, they weren't officially inducted until 1939. But... 1936, there was an announcement of the first five players that were going to be inducted into this new thing that we're going to call the Hall of Fame. And it was honoring the best players to ever play in the history of the sport. So at the time, you looked at names like Hannes Wagner and Ty Cobb and Babe Ruth, Christy Mathewson and Walter Johnson. And if you're going to name five of the best players in 1936 to ever play in the sport, it'd be hard to put anybody else over those five players. Now, there were other players that eventually get got in, the Trish Speakers, the Cy Youngs, obviously Lou Gehrig, who was still active at that time, and obviously the many, many great baseball players that we've seen since then. So you look at the way the Baseball Hall of Fame has gone over the years, and for many years, there really wasn't much of an issue. Really, the only player that he could say was held back that was one of the best to ever play that wasn't put in baseball's Hall of Fame was Shoeless Joe Jackson. And Shoeless Joe Jackson, we know of the mess that existed in the 1919 Black Sox and the team that threw the World Series for the Gamblers, 100-year anniversary. We think, of course, in football, the 100-year anniversary of the National Football League, but 2019 is also the 100th anniversary of one of the more disgusting and uh, uh, unsport-like things to ever happen in professional sports, the 1919 Black Sox, Joe Jackson's going to always be known as part of that. He received the money. 
whether he actually participated in a fix. You, know, you look at his numbers in the World Series, they don't they don't they don't show that he really did. You know, he wasn't Chip Gandle, he wasn't Swede Reisberg or Eddie Seacott or Lefty Williams, you know they were all scumbags. They were bought by the gamblers. They went out of their way to throw the World Series. Happy Felch was in there too. Fred McMullen barely played. All he did was take money. But the problem that existed with that is that you had a player, the third highest batting average in Major League Baseball history. That its Hall of Fame says, you know what? Your numbers are good, but we're going to hold you out. And I'd be remiss to say, if we're talking about other sports, <clears throat> excuse me, whether it's basketball or hockey or football, what other sport has used any reason to take or hold back any one of its great players from its respective hall? And I'm, and I'm listening because I, I want to know. All right, what has football done to... Cut down on people that have bet on the sport. Gambling exists in football way more than it does in baseball. And I'm sure in the history of the National Football League, there is somebody that is in its respective Hall of Fame that has placed some bet on football. But we don't look at it that way because, you know, baseball is considered this not only the national pastime, which I think it's been passed, by the way. The pastime probably belongs to the world of sports, mostly because of gambling, mostly because of fantasy football. But, it, you know, it, it, it draws more people in. You know, way more people watch the Super Bowl than they do the World Series. And you know how much I love baseball. But the pastime of baseball is being passed by football. So we look at baseball as this ethical game, this game that, oh my God, God forbid anybody does anything devious. A sport that really started because of cheating was owned by the gamblers up until Kennesaw Mountain Landis became the commissioner. And how many great players had bets on games? You know about the, you know, the gods and scandal, you know, with Ty Cobb and Tris Speaker probably having some something to do with the way a game was played because of money that would have determined a third place finish in a 1919 season. Nothing's happened to them. We want to be picky and choosy in baseball, but we can't do that for whatever reason in other sports. So Joe Jackson is not in baseball's Hall of Fame, third highest batting average in Major League Baseball history. You move on, you got the scandal with Pete Rose. Nobody has any more hits in the history of Major League Baseball than Pete Rose. But you know, the Dowd report comes back. Pete probably doesn't do the best job in, uh, you know, his denial of the whole thing where there's evidence, gets banned for life. The guy with the most hits in Major League Baseball history is not in the Hall of Fame. And then we talk about steroids. Please, I'd love to talk about steroids right now in Major League Baseball because I, I think if there's anything that fans and people in the media use as a cop-out, to discredit what somebody or an athlete or somebody that probably is more talented than them when they're saying it is to talk about the use of performance-enhancing drugs in baseball, but not bring it up as it applies to other sports. Players in the National Football League are bigger, stronger. You're watching guys in the 1980s. I'm not going to throw names out there because it's not fair for me to just you know use hearsay 
to claim that anybody was using steroids in the 1980s and the 1990s in the National Football League. But you're looking at, you know, six, seven, 280, 300-pound guys running, you know, four-second 40s. Basically doing things that are unhuman-like. Some are getting caught, others are not. But the problem is, is that nobody seems to care. It's almost like fans of the National Football League look at the entertainment value, but have a completely different look on the sport of baseball. And once again, I'm going to keep talking about this until my time has come. What sport has the equivalent of its all-time hits leader, its all-time home runs leader, the players with the third and fourth highest batting average in the history of the sport, the player with the most Cy Youngs, the player with the most MVPs, and the four players who have the single-season most home runs in baseball history. And sorry, I fumbled over that, but you got my point. All not in the Hall of Fame. What other sport? Where, where is football saying, hey, anybody with the top, you know, within the top 10 of touchdowns, the top five in rushing yards, the top five in receiving yards, the top five or 10 with quarterback, you know, touchdowns, top five in sacks? Who's held back because of anything in pro football? The answer is nobody. Well, ah, baseball. And it's almost like people in the media and the fans and its writers go out of their way to try to discredit great accomplishments. And once again, I've never seen in my life a player that dominated a sport more than Barry Bonds did. Barry Bonds dominated baseball. Did he get help? Probably. I'm not telling you that he wasn't synthetically enhanced. But the numbers that he put up in his career are up there with Babe Ruth. They're up there with Lou Gehrig and probably very few others. But the anti-steroids crowd, which is what, what they'll probably call themselves, feeling like they're doing a great service to the sport, are going to tell me that I should forget that Barry Bonds ever played. And I should forget his impact on the sport. I should forget that he did things that we probably will never see again. And I think that's crazy to think that way. You want to hold it against Barry Bonds? You want to call him a cheater? That's fine. I have no issue with that. But to say that what he did over the course of his career wasn't Gehrig-like, what he did over the course of his career wasn't Ruth-like. You're talking about one of the top five offensive position players to ever play Major League Baseball. You don't think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I want you to at least acknowledge how good of a player he friggin' was. Because we're never going to see anything like that again. A little bit of a recap of the show today. Started talking about the demise of the New York Daily News and the New York Post. Really, I mean, it's hard to print stuff in newspapers now and 
and to continue to have the business that you had for many, many years. We understand that technology has gone to digital age and with the fact that things are more digital now, it's not like you can have the New York Daily News and the New York Post online and still be as successful as your heyday when people were waiting for the papers to be printed the next morning. And I think because of this, there's been a lot of discussion and there's a lot of talk amongst the papers. What do we got to do to get that edge back? What do we got to do to bring the likes of uh, another generation's Dick Young back to the world of sports reporting? And the unfortunate thing is, is that it's just, just like the supermarket industry. There's not major, you know, there, there used to be just major players. Now everything's spread out. You can get your groceries in so many different ways. You don't even have to go to a grocery store anymore. You could shop online. Same thing exists when you're talking about print and media. You want to find out about anything, all you got to do is just type it into your phone. You're not relying on any specific entity. Google is a lot more powerful than any newspaper is ever going to be. So you've got the New York Daily News probably edging Pat Leonard saying, hey, Zach Diossi put on injured reserve on Thanksgiving Day, turned this into a story, and that's what he went out there and tried to do. Instead of, hey, making it about Zach Diossi being with the Giants for a while, it's a shame that his season's over. He's going on injured reserve. Why? Because he's friggin' injured. They put him on injured reserve on Thanksgiving. Oh, man. You know, his family's got to be pretty sad. It's ruining his Thanksgiving. Well, maybe if Zach Diossi wasn't hurt, he wouldn't be placed on injured reserve. Just a stupid story and a stupid take to put on. Something that could add a little bit more of a meaning. Jason Garrett is not getting fired this year by the Dallas Cowboys. Anybody that believes that needs to get their head examined. Yes. You can talk about coaching, how it has left a little to be desired. Is Jason Garrett the greatest coach in the National Football League? No. Will he probably lose his job at the end of the season? Yes. But they're not going to fire him right now. Cowboys, even though they're 6-6, six and six, there's still four games left. They're still, even with the Eagles win against the Miami Dolphins this Sunday, they're still going to be tied for first place in the division with a very good chance of making the postseason. And sure, anything short of probably, at the very least, an NFC Championship game for the Dallas Cowboys, I think Garrett's getting fired. I think he can save his job. Maybe it's 50-50 if they play New Orleans or Seattle in the NFC Championship game and lose. I think there's you know 75-25 chance that he keeps his job if they get to the Super Bowl and lose. Obviously a 100% chance he comes back if they win a Super Bowl, but I think the problem exists. Not so much about the coaching. Now you could put it about the coaching if you want. Bring in a different coach. Maybe have a little bit of a different outlook. Maybe it makes a little more of a difference. I just don't think the Cowboys are as good as those other teams in the NFC. The NFC is strong. New Orleans looks like they're a pretty good team. Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks look like they're they're back to being as good of a team as they were when they won the Super Bowl. I'm not believing so much in the 49ers. I think they're I think they're a home game loss 
in the division round of the playoffs this year, honestly. There's Green Bay. There's Minnesota. So there's a handful of really good teams in the NFC. And there's probably some really good teams that are going to be on the outside looking in, whether it's Dallas or Philadelphia, whether it's the Los Angeles Rams. Some teams that are going to fall a little bit short this year. The Chicago Bears were good last year. They could win nine, ten games if they end up winning out or win three of their last four and probably maybe still miss out on the playoffs. So there's this thought that the Dallas Cowboys are supposed to be so much better than they are. How do you bring back Tom Landry? You bring the likes of George Hallis or Vince Lombardi and put them in a, in a, on the sideline and have them coach this football team. And I don't think they're getting to the Super Bowl. Now, Jason Garrett's been there for 10 years, so you give him credit. Give him a nice pat on the back. He's, he's held this job there probably you know, longer than most would. I think a lot of it has to do with the revenue that the Dallas Cowboys are bringing in. Jerry Jones is making money. You know, the fact that you have a team that's competitive year in and year out. Dallas Cowboy fans are disappointed because they're not getting to the Super Bowl. I get it. They're not making long runs in the playoffs. They've only had two playoff wins in the last 10 years. I understand why that would probably rub people the wrong way. Why people would be pissed off about that. Why you'd say, hey, you've had the same coach over the course of this whole time. Maybe there's another voice. Maybe there's somebody else that could get more out of these players. And I think we'll find out at the end of the season. We're not going to find out this year. And I'll tell you, I would put money on it. And I wish I could go to DraftKings or to FanDuel and place money on the Cowboys not firing Jason Garrett before the season's over. Because whatever that money is, I just want to take it. I just want to take that extra money because I'm so certain and sure that Jason Garrett will not lose his job until, the, at the very least, the season's over. And the Cowboys got a playoff game, well, he's going to coach the team in a playoff game. You're not going to have some schmuck assistant that's going to coach the Dallas Cowboys in a playoff game. That would look bad for a public relations standpoint. That would look bad from the owner. And I think the owner is smarter or smart enough to realize that Hey, if he wants to get his new coach, that new coach, the next Dallas Cowboys coach that's going to be here for the next five to ten years, he's going to have to go on a nice search. He's going to have to talk to the likes of Lincoln Riley. He's going to have to talk to the likes of guys like Urban Meyer. You know, some of the top assistants that are with some other teams. You know, that next Sean McVay or that quarterback whisperer or whatever it is that he wants to do, but it's going to take time. You're not going to find that guy in week 12 or 13 of the National Football League season. And you're not going to be able to pull that assistant or that coach for somebody in college off of their staff while the season's still going on. So why do you fire the coach? Because you want to appease the fans. That's what fans want. They look for blood. When they feel it brewing in the water, they go for it. They want to see Jason Garrett lose their job because it's almost like a victory for them. Problem is, they may, you may get your wish, fans. You probably will get your wish. But it won't happen until the end of the season. So last thing we spoke about today, Baseball's Hall of Fame once again. I feel like I could talk about this on every one of my shows. You got a sport that 
for whatever reason, holds itself to this high set of standards. And a sport that really was brought out in the most devious of ways. The sport that prospered for many years while segregating players, saying that black players cannot play on the same field as white players. For how many years? You're talking about almost 80 years of baseball where some of the best black players build as white players. That's okay. You know, the Josh Gibsons, the Oscar Charlestons, you know, Turkey Stearns, who I always, you know, reference on Thanksgiving. You know, guys like Monty Irvin, who, yes, he got into the Hall of Fame, played a handful of seasons in Major League Baseball, but what could, could he have done if he had a chance to have a 20-year career in Major League Baseball? He had to play in the Negro Leagues with the Newark Bears for a handful of years. So you tell me baseball is all ethical, and you want to hold back who you think, oh my God, this person's cheating, that person's cheating. What about the racists that kept blacks out of the sport and cheated them out of baseball careers, forced them to have to go and start their own league. You want to say that players that use steroids cheated? How about those that cheated those black players out of their lives of being a professional baseball player? Being you know, go to that narrative. Oh, let's hold players back. Let's forget that Barry Bonds ever existed. Barry Bonds is the freaking greatest baseball player that I've seen in my lifetime. And really, and I know I mentioned this last week, the talk about, <coughs> excuse me, you know, the Larry Walkers or the Andrew Joneses or the Scott Rollins, they, they got to be more of a case made to be put into baseball's Hall of Fame. None of those cases mean anything you correct what needs to be corrected. And that's Barry Bonds, that's Roger Clemens, that's Shulis Joe Jackson, that's Pete Rose. And you know what? I gotta say this again. Marvin Miller, when you talk about pioneers that changed the game for a positive, that had as much of an impact as anybody in the history of the sport, how many pioneers did more for baseball than Marvin Miller did? And obviously politics are involved. Baseball is run by the owners. The writers support the owners. So it's always the owners over the players. That's why every commissioner, or almost every commissioner, gets elected into baseball's Hall of Fame. But Marvin Miller, who really changed the game, probably brought more revenue to baseball by having the players be compensated more. Because you know what? It's not all coming out of the owner's pockets. A lot of it came out of the increase in ticket prices, the increase of doing different things at the stadium, the TV contracts, which ended up coming later, all brought more revenue to the sport. And it's understood, even though fans may not agree with it, that you go to a baseball game pay a little bit more than you would have, let's say, in you know, 1934 when you're paying a nickel for a, for a ticket to get in the stadium and they didn't care if you even paid it. The players' salaries 
are part of baseball. And the reasons that players make what they make now is because of Marvin Miller. But because of the politics that are involved in the sport and the fact that baseball is more towards the owners and the owners control baseball's Hall of Fame, Marvin Miller is not there. So I got five people that need to be in baseball's Hall of Fame, in my opinion, before I can respect the Baseball Hall of Fame again. And that's Barry Bonds, Shules Joe Jackson, Pete Rose, Roger Clemens, and Marvin Miller. And once again, it's not the museum's fault. It's not the Baseball Hall of Fame itself and Jeff Idelson and everybody that's involved there. They're not to blame. I have chosen not to go to Cooperstown to see the museum because I just don't believe in the way that it's set up. It's not the fault of anybody that sets it up. I do believe baseball should push if they're going to be so exclusive when it comes to its Hall of Famers to have a separate museum set up for the players that are not in baseball's Hall of Fame. In other words, Philip Humber threw a perfect game you want to put his ball on display somewhere and respect the fact that he did something that only 22 other pitchers did in Major League Baseball history, it doesn't go in the Hall of Fame. It can go in the Baseball History Museum. And that's where you put the whatever 40-something pieces of Pete Rose merchandise. If you're not going to put him in the Hall of Fame, put his stuff in the Baseball History Museum. Shulis Joe Jackson, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilly, Albert Bell held out of baseball's Hall of Fame because he doesn't like the media. I'm going to talk about great things that players that are not in baseball Hall of Fame did. You should have a baseball history museum for non-Hall of Famers. And set baseball's Hall of Fame to only talk about or mention those that are in its Hall of Fame. That would increase the honor and that, to me, would at least make me more interested in seeing the Baseball Hall of Fame. Because the Baseball Hall of Fame should be about the players that are in the Hall of Fame. And you've heard me rant. And like I said, it almost sounds a little bit hypocritical that I'm talking about taking the stuff out of Baseball's Hall of Fame for players that I believe should be in Baseball's Hall of Fame. But the problem is is that we have a watered-down process and players that are being inducted in its Hall of Fame that can't shine the shoes of some that are being held out. And I know Harold Baines is the poster child for that. That's nothing that he did wrong. He had a very good career. But if baseball did what it's supposed to and honored the steroids players, the Bonses, the Clemenses, the Sosas, all of those that deserve to be in the freaking Hall of Fame, then guys like Harold Baines would have a little more trouble getting in. Could they get in over time? Sure. But what sport in baseball has so many of its best players that are held out? Once again, I'll go on this rant. I've said this before. What sport has the equivalent of its all-time hits leader, its all-time home run champion, most home runs in baseball history. Batting average, the third and fourth highest in baseball history. Most Cy Youngs, most MVPs. 
and the players with the four highest single-season home run totals in the history of the sport not in its Hall of Fame. That's like saying the guy with the most touchdowns is not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's like saying the guy with the most goals in hockey is not in a Hockey Hall of Fame. The guy who hit the most shots, scored the most points in NBA history is not in its Hall of Fame. That's what baseball has that other sports don't. We'll be back with you next week. I think we're going to try to do a show Wednesday before we head off to San Diego for the baseball winter meetings. Uh, we'll do basically our, our uh, winter meetings preview show. Jump on a plane this a week from today. Head out to San Diego. Be nice to head back out there. Um, anything that's on your mind in the world, baseball, sports, and unifying America, you can tweet at me at John underscore Pielli. I enjoy some of the discussion. I'll close with this. You know, you think of social media as it exists in the world, and a, a lot of people enjoy the collection of friends or collection of people that basically wax poetically about each other. What I actually enjoy about social media is the fact to have honest and deep discussions about things that are important to, to me and others. And I'm not sitting here to, you know, fluff anybody. I'm not sitting here to kiss anybody's ass. The couple points that I believe as they apply to the world of sports, most importantly to the world of baseball, I'm not backing down from. I'm not backing down for the fact that a manager in Major League Baseball is basically being castrated. Teams on the field are run by the front office and the analytics staff. The use of computers... And technology and analytics and baseball has come at the expense of the manager. I'm not backing down off of that. I don't care how many people, for whatever reason, don't get it. Maybe i got to come up with a different way to explain it to you. The Baseball Hall of Fame is a joke. You need to have two museums. One for the Baseball Hall of Famers and one for baseball history. And it's embarrassing how baseball, like no other sport has chosen to be exclusive and hold back players that are deserving of its highest honor and almost come up with reasons to try to hold them out. So I'm going to keep fighting a good fight. We'll be back with you Wednesday. I promise you Wednesday around 8 a.m. I'll do a little preview beforehand. This is the Passball Show brought to you by Two Ways, One Passion Fruit Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Also, by JohnPielli.com. We'll, we'll have the podcast back up on, on the uh, Apple Podcast and Google Play within the next couple hours. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.